Well, God's good. Amen. Amen. How many are glad you're alive today? Can I see your hand? So we're going to have a picnic here um, after the service. Also, um, next Sunday is Father's Day. How many know that's, remember that? And so what we do generally is we give all the fathers a T-bone steak. A real one, not a plastic one, a real one. <laughs> They're not cooked, so you got you to take it home and cook them. But it's actually totally free. And the reason we did that was years ago, um, we had a speaker here. And he goes, he said, I hate Father's Day at church. Because he goes, you go there, and they tell you what a lousy father you've been. Then they give you some junky little trinket gift. And I go, that's what we do. <laughs> so um, I thought, wow, at least we're being consistent with everybody else. But so, uh, so what I decided was I would tell fathers how much we need you, how awesome you are, and we'll give you a T-bone steak. So all the fathers that come. Um, uh, the other, this is kind of a housekeeping announcement. My wife and I celebrated 45 years of marriage yesterday. So, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says uh, that a husband shall cleave to his wife, two shall become one flesh. The word cleave is really an interesting word because the Hebrew language is a picture language. And so the picture is the phrase, never stop chasing. So I've been chasing my wife for 45 years. Well, actually, more, longer than that, but... I caught her 45 years ago, and I'm still chasing her. Sometimes it's pretty intense, buddy. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, so we're pretty excited about making it 45 years. I think we've known each other for 50, about 50 years, but we were wavering for the first five years and then finally figured it out after that. But, but we're, all, we're all excited about it. So uh, we're glad you're here. So remember that next Sunday uh, it's Father's Day. And um, you get a T-bone steak. But um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me, please, to, um, to uh, Romans chapter 10. Um, I've been talking about faith. Uh, I have, uh, we, we talked about that verse uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, Now abideth faith, hope, love. And so first of all, we talked about hope and how important hope is. I spent a lot of time talking about hope. This might be the last week I'll be talking about faith, but... Um, it says, now by faith, hope, love, these three, the greatest of these is love. And so we're going to be talking about love also, and that will be a tremendous uh, message. But, um, right, but I want to talk a little bit more about faith and how important it is to our lives. And um, I think that all of us can, can uh, if you've ever studied the New Testament, read the New Testament, you, you know that faith is one of the most important subjects in the Bible. And, um, and it has some companion words. Faith has some companion words, like the word believe is, a, is actually a, a derivative of the word faith because there is no such thing as a word un, unfaith. The opposite of faith is unbelief. And so um, basically the opposite is, of faith is unbelief. Or you could say fear, but uh, let's not get into that. But anyway, so, so there's, there are companion words uh, trust is a companion word to faith. Believe is a companion word to faith. Even the word obey is actually a companion word. And what I mean by that, it's used interchangeably in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Obey is used interchangeably with believe. The, re the, thing, the reason people don't 
obey is because they don't believe. If you believed, you'd obey. And so the real issue is not an obedience thing, it's a believing thing. Because the definition of the word believe is to be persuaded or, or to have confidence in. And that's the same as the word obey in the Greek. It's to, it's to be persuaded. And so when you're persuaded, you act. Uh, anything that you, you're persuaded of, you act. And when we look at the subject of faith in the New Testament especially, we, we see that the Bible makes it very clear that faith is a way of life for a Christian. Um, like Dave was talking about Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. Is there something impossible? Yes. To please God apart from faith. We, a lot of times, emphasize actions, you know, we, that we should do certain actions. But anything that doesn't arise from our confidence in God, is, it just doesn't please God. And so faith becomes one of those subjects or one of those things that are very important. Um, you know, Jesus, if you look at his ministry with his disciples, he rebuked his disciples over their unbelief and hardness of heart more than anything else. And he would always say to them, like, at crucial moments, how long am I going to be with you? When are you going to start, you know, when are you going to start believing? And so I always think to myself, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I wonder what he would say to us today. Amen. You remember one time I was in a horrible situation. I was really in, in trouble. And financially, I was in trouble. I, I owed uh, half a million dollars, and I was really in, and there's a lot of other things that was happening. It was like, I don't know if, you know, they have the expression, when it rains, it pours. Buddy, it was a typh typhoon. I mean, every little thing, it was just boom, boom, boom. And so I actually took a month off and just spent some time praying because I thought, I thought that I had done something, you know, a secret. You know, there's an Old Testament story. This is the story that came to me was um, da uh, David had, had killed some Gibeonites. I think it's what, how you pronounce it, Gibeonites or Gibeonites or something. And so there was a curse over the land, or Saul had done that. So there was a curse over the land. And so uh, when David sought the Lord, the Lord said, because of what Saul did, there's a curse. So you have to do this to remove the curse. So I was thinking that maybe I had not killed Gibeonites, but something like that. So there's like a secret curse that's happening. You know, I, I don't know if you guys ever thought that. What, what is it? You know, there's, a, there's kind of a funny joke. You want to hear it? So um, maybe I've told you this joke, but there's a guy named Fred. He, um, he started out being an electrician and got electrocuted. And then he went to be a plumber and the water heater blew up. And then he went to be a farmer and, and the tractor rolled on him. And he's in the hospital and trying to recover from the tractor rolling on him. He says, God... Tried to be an electrician, got electrocuted, tried to be a plumber, water heater blew up, tried to be a farmer, a tractor rolled on me. What's going on? And, and God says, I don't know, Fred, there's just something about you that ticks me off. <laughs> so, so I just kind of thought there's something out there that I don't, I don't know, you know, because, I mean, it can't, it can't go this bad and, and a, for a person to be in the will of God. And so I actually took a month off and I just prayed. I actually prayed. I mean, I didn't, I, even this... When I fast, it's desperate, okay? Because I, I like to eat. And, and so I even fasted some, not the whole month, but I, I even fasted some. And I was really seeking God. And I remember I was in this uh, hotel. I, I drove out west, just driving around looking at rocks. You know, that's my, my goal in life is to retire and drive around and look at rocks. 
So I was driving around looking at her. There's a rock, you know, there's a, well, that's a different looking rock there. But, and so, so I was in this hotel and I had this experience with God. I was praying. I had this experience with God where it felt like, or it seemed like God walked into my room and Jesus spoke to me and said, you're not getting out of this situation or any future situations until you learn to walk by faith. And I thought, really? That's it? It's not the Gibeonites or some other thing? It's, I have to walk by faith? Really? And so I was so excited because I actually got an answer. And I, I came home and, and I, I, was, I went, to, to, went to the office and I said to Linda, you know, I told her about what was happening. And, and I said, hey, praise God. How, how are things? Because I thought there'd be this amazing turnaround. I thought she'd say, man, money cometh. You know, or you know, I thought it's going to be awesome. And she goes, no, it's gotten worse. How could it get any worse? It's gotten seriously worse. Seriously worse. I go, how could that be? So I go back home and I, said to the, I sat down and I said to the Lord, Lord, what's going on? And the Lord spoke to me and said, talk to me about what it means to walk by faith. Because I, I actually uh, had my own definition of it, but God really showed me something that I want to talk to you about today. But I just want you to see that God, or Jesus, when he was on the earth, he rebuked his disciples over unbelief more than anything else. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus, I mean, here's, here's one of the most amazing stories in the Bible, is when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth after he started his ministry, now, listen to what the Bible says. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. But it actually says this. It says that he came to his hometown of Nazareth and said he couldn't do. Listen to what I just said. Couldn't, not wouldn't, couldn't do any mighty works there. And he marveled because of their unbelief. I thought, what? He couldn't do any mighty works there. Because, and he marveled because of their unbelief. So in other words, the unbelief in that atmosphere kept him from doing any mighty works. You know, there's a story I was going to use. This This is going to be my last verse. So I'm giving you my last verse first. But there's a story in the, in the book of Mark where they brought a blind man to him. Jesus was in Bethesda, Bethsaida, Bethsaida. One of those Beths, Beths or whatever. But it says they brought a blind man to him. Oh, there it is right there. Then he came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Next verse. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Isn't that interesting? And you think, well, why, why did he take and lead him out of the town? That's, that's weird. Because we, we believe Jesus can do anything, anywhere, in any place. But it says he took, the, and actually the word took is a very strong word. It means he sees the blind man. When you just look at how that word's used other places, it's a very like he grabbed him and pulled him out of that town. And when he had, then he, when he had spit on his eye, he put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. Next verse. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And that's how God pictures people in the Old Testament. He pictures them as trees. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So the first thing that he saw was spiritually. He saw the, the, the essence of, of men, how they are spiritually. I see men as trees walking. Next verse. 
He put his hands on him again and made him look up, and he, restored, he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Next verse. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Don't go back into that town. Now what's so bad about that town? And don't tell anybody in that town. Well, that was one of the towns when he said, Woe unto you. There were several towns when he said, Woe unto you. Because he had done miracles in that town and they didn't repent. And so that was one of the towns he said, Woe unto you. In other words, the unbelief was so thick in that town, he said, Don't go back there. Don't go back there. Because if you go back there, that's going to get off on you. You know, there's certain some environments that you shouldn't be in you shouldn't be involved in. You know, I was never a gambler. And um, I don't, I like, I'm too, st- <laughs> I'm too thrifty to be a gambler. <laughs> I just, why don't you just throw your money in a garbage can? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you say, yeah, but sometimes you win. Listen, they're building these gigantic buildings. They ain't losing. You don't build those gigantic buildings by losing. You're going to lose, and you're going to lose big, right? But I was never a gambler, but they say that sometimes like, you know, they call it the one-armed bandit. I think, what are they called? One of, ah, you know what they are. <laughs> but if you had a problem with gambling, they, they, they say this, that, that if you, some people that played those machines, if you hear the, they make a noise, I guess, a ding, 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 that if you just hear that noise, if you're a problem with gambling, you hear that noise, it will start to arouse something inside of you. You know, they say that cocaine addicts, that they can show, show pictures to cocaine addicts and they can show a picture of white cocaine just so fast that you, you can't even see it with your naked eye, but so fast that a cocaine addict will pick that up and all of a sudden will start to desire cocaine. It wouldn't work on you if you'd never had a cocaine habit. So that's, that means in the wrong environment, the wrong thing's going to come out of you. It's like if I take you, if you were a fish, I took you out of water and threw you on the ground, you'd still be alive, but you'd be going, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> I wasn't made for this, right? But if I threw you back in the lake, you go, I was made for this, right? And that's how you need, that's the thing that you need to be. You need to be in the right environment. And so when Jesus came to his own hometown of Nazareth, it says he couldn't do, that environment actually kept him from doing what he wanted to do, that environment. And he marveled at their unbelief. It was an unbelieving environment. And, um, and they, they were reasoning that, who does this guy think he is? Isn't he one of, isn't his mother Mary? Isn't Joseph among us here? Who does he think he is? And, and so he couldn't do anything. And so I don't want to be in that type of environment. And so there's some other things here. Israel, uh, it says that Israel failed to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. Israel failed to enter the promised land. Here's a verse that's really hard to understand. It's found in Psalm 7. I didn't put it up there, but Psalm 78. I think it's verse 41. It says that Israel turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited God. You say, well, God's unlimitless. I mean, the Bible says that heaven is His throne the earth is his footstool. There's no limit to God. You can't measure his ability. You can't measure anything about him. It's, he's measureless. 
but he has chosen to work with us. And so if we don't keep in step with him, he's limited because he's chosen to work with us. So we have to, what faith does is faith takes the limits off of God. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus saw faith, he acted. You know, it's, every time you'll see, he'll either do one or two things. He'll, for, he'll say, your sins are forgiven you. It says, and Jesus saw their faith. And then it says, he either said to them, your sins are forgiven you. Or he said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Anytime he saw faith, it, it brought a response from Jesus. When he saw faith, he responded. When he sees faith today, he responds. And then when he saw unbelief, he rebuked. So what do you, which one do you want? A rebuke or do you want a response? I'd rather have a response. I don't know about you. But, um, and so it's very important that, that we respond, that we respond so he can respond. Uh, I, I wrote this saying down, I think I put it up there, that um, by Paul Youngy or David Youngy Cho, he, he's the pastor of the, he, well, he passed away this last year, but he was the pastor of the world's largest church. It's in Seoul, Korea. It had a million people. He started with a little tent church, like, like eight people or some small number like that. And over decades, the church grew to be a million people in one church. That's impressive. A million people in one church. And he said this, God will never bring about any of his great works without coming through your own personal faith. I'm going to read that again. I'll put that up there so you can see it. God will never bring about any of his great, wor his great works without coming through your own personal faith. And so he, he not only preached it, but he lived it. I like what uh, Corey Ten Bloom, she was the, wrote the book Hiding Place. She was imprisoned in um, a Nazi uh, concentration camp. I think it was Auschwitz, something like that. But she said this, she became a preacher. She said this, faith sees the invisible. Faith sees the invisible. You know, people say, well, I'm not going to believe something I don't see. Every time you take out your phone, you believe something you don't see. Because you believe that, that phone is hooked up to something that you can't see. I mean, the Internet's in this room, right? Well, I don't know, let me check. Because your, your phone picks up the signal, but you don't see the signal. Years ago, I was at this church in Missouri, and the church was, this is years ago, decades ago, and the church was right by the highway, and so we're all there and, and, and having a service, and every once in a while, all of a sudden you hear, over the loudspeaker, over the PA system, breaker, breaker, one, nine, you know, remember that, breaker? You guys remember CB, CD, CBs, CDs, CBs? Breaker, in other words, the... The, that, that signal was in the room, but you could, didn't know it was there. But there was a receiver there picking up the signal. There's a lot of things that are absolutely true that you can't see. You know, they say that, I don't know if it's the molecules or whatever in this table right here are moving. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Come on, they're not moving. But they say they are. There are things that you don't see. It says faith sees the invisible. It doesn't see nothing. It sees the invisible. Sees the invisible. It believes the unbelievable. 
and it receives the impossible. Amen. I like that statement about faith. And so God wants our faith to increase. I want you to turn over here to Romans chapter. And so we ask the question, does God control our faith or do we control it? Does God control it or do we? I, I was listening to a guy and he was saying that God controls everything. That means if you bend down and tie your shoelaces, God controlled that. That's why this one preacher, he fell down the stairs and he goes, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> Let me tell you, God doesn't control every little thing. Now, that doesn't mean that the world is spinning in chaos and spinning to an indefinite destination. There is a definite destination. The word of God has given uh, has given design to where this world is going to end up. But, but as we're on our journey to that destination, there's a lot of things that we decide that, that are the consequences of our own decision. We decide. But, but it is true that God is involved in us having faith. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Just the end of the verse, it says, As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. As God has dealt to each one, the last part of the verse, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God is responsible to get you as a Christian, because this book, this Romans is written to Christians. It's not written to the world. Not everybody in the world has faith, but Christians have faith. You can't be saved without faith. So every Christian has faith. But put the verse back up there again. God has dealt, God has dealt to every, each one a measure of faith. And so God is responsible for you having faith. But then you are responsible for what you do with it. In other words, if it develops and grows, that's on you. It's just like when you were born into the world, you weren't responsible for the, the, the fact that you have muscles. In fact, they, they say this. It's hard to believe, but they say that the amount of muscles that you have right now, you had when you were born. They're just more developed now. And faith is like muscles. You know, you, you didn't have anything to do with you having muscles. You were just born that way. And you didn't have anything to do with you having faith. You were just born that way, spiritually born that way. But the development of faith, that's on you. The development of your muscles. If you just sit on this sofa all day long and just, the only muscle you will develop is your thumb muscle. Right? I mean, I, I don't like to watch, I, I'm a terrible person to watch TV with because I hate watching one program. I watch it for like three or four minutes. I, I'm, I'm done with that. Of course, we, you know, we canceled our, our TV uh, thing years ago because we were frustrated with it, but uh, there's still ways you can access stuff, but I won't get into that. But anyways, but, but the, the point that I'm making is that you have to develop. You've got to develop your muscles. God gave you, gave you faith but you've got to develop it. The problem is so many people don't develop their faith. Amen. You know, let me just jump ahead here a little bit. So how does faith come? Look, turn over here to Romans, four, Romans chapter 10. That's the verse I was going to have you look at. Are you still with me? Still glad you came? So how does faith come? So in other words, God is the one that deals the faith to us. But there's a means through which God uses to get it to you. 
And that means is, look at Romans 10, verses 14 through 15, and then verse 17. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Talking about him being God. How shall they call upon God whom they have not believed? So in other words, you know, when you have a problem like with your car or something, or your house, if you know somebody that can fix it, you have confidence in that person that can fix it, you call on them. You got a little problem over here, you know, I got some car that won't work. You call upon them because you believe they can fix it. You wouldn't call a doctor who doesn't even know what a motor is. I mean, he thinks that the, the mechanic says, yeah, you need some, you need some blinker fluid. You need a muffler belt. Your car's muffler belt shot. Oh, you wouldn't call on him, right? Because why? You don't believe he can do anything to help you. So the first thing is you call upon if you don't believe the Lord can help you, you're not going to call upon him. So, but he said, how shall they call upon him who they have, believed, have not believed? How shall they believe in him who they not, have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? So in other words, there's a progression there that preacher needs to go preach. And people need to believe the message and they need to respond to the message. And then he says in verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh. Everybody say cometh. That means it wasn't there at one time. Just like you weren't here two hours ago, you weren't here. The worship team probably was here. Thank God for the worship team. They were here, they were here warming things up for us. But you weren't here, but you what? You cometh. You weren't here two hours ago, but you cometh. Right? And so he, the Bible says here, so then faith cometh. Well, how does it cometh? Cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It cometh by hearing the right thing. So how many know that if you hear the wrong thing, faith goeth? Faith goeth. You know, if somebody gets up and says, you just never know what God's going to do. Faith just goeth. Right? Faith cometh by hearing, but not just hearing. You've got to be careful what you hear, because Jesus said, he said two things about hearing. He said, one, he said, take heed what you hear, what is content, what you hear. And the other thing he says, take heed how you hear. How is your attitude about it? So if you have the attitude like, yeah, whatever, you just kind of, you know, don't you like when people are excited about something? Especially if it's something good. You know, it bugs me when people are, ex are excited about something that's not so good. You know, I got a deal for you. I remember one, this one time we were, we were uh, being, uh, I got to be careful how I share these examples. But this guy was trying to sell us something he was so excited, he ran around the room. He goes, man, I'm excited. And it was like one of these timeshares or whatever. I go, yeah, I wish I was as excited as you was. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. That's attitude. In other words, if there's an excitement, there's an intensity about you, about hearing the word of God, something is, is going to happen in your life. But if you have kind of a casual, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I used to have, I said there's three types of Christians. They're the, they're the, the maimers, 
the, kill, the yawners, the maimers, and the killers. Not literally killers. I gotta, you got to make clear everything you say nowadays. You know, it's like somebody goes, hey, God is good. Oh, yeah. Well, you're not getting anything. Right? And then a maimer is somebody who does, yeah, maybe so, yeah. But a killer is just, yeah. It's like red meat. The word of God's like red meat to him. Right? I'm doing a lot better job preaching than you responding. There you go. Thank you. See, just, I mean, just like, oh, give me, I can't get enough. I need red meat today. I need some red meat. I need some, I need some God is good type stuff. I need to hear it, man. So you have that kind of attitude. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Because the verse actually in the Amplified, that verse in the Amplified says, with the measure, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, and he said, take heed, be careful. Uh, well, he said what, what you hear. The measure of thought, this is how the Amplified Version says it, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of value and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you. So in other words, the, the, folk, the amount of focus that you have toward it and the amount of focus, the amount of brain power, the amount of mental exercise that you use to, for scriptures is the amount of virtue and knowledge that's going to come back to you. But if you have kind of a casual attitude, well, I don't know, you know. I mean, really? You need to get a pulse, buddy. You know, you need to be, remember when you used to chase your wife before you caught her? Remember you used to chase her? You need to have that kind of attitude. That is the attitude. You know, you stay up all night. You know that song, When a Man Loves a Woman? Sleep out in the cold. Sing songs outside his window, her window in the rain. Can't sleep at night thinking about her. Can't wait to see her again. Have that kind of attitude about God's word. And I'll tell you something explosive is going to happen. Isn't that true? Have that intensity. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. When you have that attitude, I can't get enough. I just can't get enough of this. Man, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I just can't get enough of this. When you have that kind of attitude, something's going to happen. There's, an, there's about to be an explosion. But when you have a casual attitude about it, you're just not going to get very much. That's really good. That's a really good. So the idea here is that you can't, you can't have have faith and drowned yourself hearing unbelief. That's why, you know, for a year I just quit listening to the news. Have you ever noticed that news, even, it's gotten worse. I don't know if I, if I, taking a break from it, undesensitized me or what, but when I started listening to it again, you're just like, man, this is bad. I remember a guy in the church was telling me that he had a kid that they didn't watch much TV and, and, uh, and so the kid would listen to these commercials. You ever hear these commercials? You gotta have this, this product. What is it? Whatever it is, you know. You gotta have this product. If you don't have it, your life won't be complete. And the little kid's, he's not used to hearing advertisement. So he's like, his, his little mind is pure and his little mind is pliable. His little mind is like a sponge. And he's going, he goes to his mom and dad, we gotta have this product. We gotta have it. They're going, oh, just forget about it. No, we got to have it. You know, it's. And so 
we have to have that kind of attitude about God's word. So once faith has come, so then we control, we control once, once God, because salvation is a God thing. It's not a church thing. It's a God thing. It's not a preacher thing. It's a God thing. All a preacher does is he arranges the, arrange the appointment. Right? Because the Bible says no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. And being born again, I can't born again you. I can preach to you the message, but you have to respond to God. It's a God thing. Salvation is a God thing. It's not a man thing. It's not a church thing. Salvation doesn't come from the church. It comes from God. It's personal. You and God are going to have an encounter and we're going to set up the, the encounter, but I can't save you. Only God can. But so once, once the faith comes, then I control, I control its development or its growth. It's just like I have muscles and they're huge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I have to do something. I have to do something now. I didn't do, have anything to do with my, me getting the muscles, but now I can do something about their development. Isn't that true? And so how do, how do you develop muscles? Well, look at this verse over here. Turn over here to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, faith, here, here's what I say. Faith like muscles grow and develop through two things, through nu nutrients, nut nut nutrition, thank you, and exercise. Faith, and, faith like muscles grow through nutrients, nutrition, and exercise. So here, here's the thing. First Timothy chapter 4, put that verse up there if you have it. It says, if you strike the brethren in these things... You'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Everybody say the next word. Nourish. Nourish in the words of faith. Nourish in the words of faith and good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Your, your soul, your faith needs to be nourished on the words of faith. The words of faith. Your, your soul and your faith need to be nourished on the words of faith. You know, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. What is watering? Water is, watering is saying the same thing in a different way that you initially heard. In other words, you hear it again. You hear the same thing, but you hear it a little differently. And so what happens is your faith is nourished. Words of faith and good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Look, say the next word, next verse. But reject profane and old wise fables. Now listen to this next phrase. Exercise. Everybody say exercise. That's what, we, that's what we like to do in our worship service. It's like an exercise time, right? Raise your hands up, bend over, kneel down, get up, you know. Bur do burpees. No, I'm just kidding. But no, exercise. He's, exercise yourself toward godliness. Godliness is piety and devotion. There's things that you do in your life that has to do with piety and devotion, like worship, prayer, worship. You know, when you, when you are going through difficulties, but you start praising God, like the Bible says, in everything give thanks, that's an exercise. You're developing something. You know, I told you about having this, um, this owing all this money, and then having God tell me, unless you learn to walk by faith, you're not getting out of this. 
I got out of it, by the way. Took a year and a half, but I got out of it. But, um, but, but you know, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how is, because I stepped out and I thought I was obeying you. I stepped out in faith. How am I not walking by faith? And he gave me three verses. And I'll just give you, well, one of, one of the verses he gave me was Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, I think you have that one up there, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking away, looking unto Jesus. And actually one translation says, looking away unto Jesus. That caught my attention. Looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. The word our is italicized in the, in the, in the, um, in the King James Version, which means they added it. So he's the author and finisher of faith. Because the faith that we have is not ours. It's the same faith. It's the faith of the Son of God because he is the author of it. He is the finisher of faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So looking away from what? Looking away from the difficulties, looking away from the symptoms, looking away from the circumstances, looking away from what distracts you unto Jesus. And so, actually, faith thrives in an environment where a person is looking and basically ignoring the problem and looking at the one that has the answer. Faith, faith thrives. I, I titled this message, Faith is More About Outlook Than Outcome. See, we think about, we're always thinking about the outcome. I prayed and I haven't seen anything. Why, God, why? When, God, when? How, God, how? That's all unbelief. Why, why is this happening? How, how are you going to do that, Lord? When is it going to happen? Come on, God. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When, when, when? When, God, when? How, how are you going to do it? Right? Why did this happen? Why, why, why? That's unbelief. So I have to turn away from that. And I have to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. And so basically... What we're telling you to do is spend your time watering and weeding rather than wondering and worrying. I'm going to say that again because that's powerful. You need to spend your time, need to spend your time watering and weeding. Do you have that up there? Slam that baby up there. You don't have that one? Spend your time watering and weeding. In other words, get rid of the, the negative, negative thoughts. Don't dwell on them. What good is it going to do you anyways? What good, what good is worry going to do you? Just make you make your hair turn gray? It's just going to get wrinkles. Right? Yeah, but I want to make, I want to brace myself for the other shoe to fall. Well, maybe, what if the other shoe doesn't fall? Spend your time watering, watering and weeding rather than wondering and worrying. See, a gardener, a gardener has the harvest in mind, but the focus is creating an environment that seeds will grow into plants. Plants will grow into a harvest. See, a, a, a gardener doesn't sit around going, 
All the harvest. All the harvest. All the harvest. The focus of a, of a gardener is watering. I watch my wife. She has a little, she has flowers and, uh, and some vegetables. And she weeds them, usually. <laughs> See, you know, she goes, will you water my plants? I don't know. She goes out there and waters each one. When she asked me to do it, I just put the sprinkler on and spray the area. <laughs> I go, it's so much faster. I just put the whole sprinkler on, just spray the area. Everything will get wet, you know, but he's over there with each one. Shh, shh, takes hours. You know? so, so here's the great, the, the right environment is the environment where we're, where we're watering and weeding rather than wondering and worrying. Amen. So we're trying to really enjoy the journey. And so faith is more of an outlook than an outcome. See, the outcome is going to come, right? The outcome is going to come if, if we have the right outlook. If we create the right environment, the outcome is going to come. But the outcome is up to God. It's not up to you. You can't make it happen anyways. If you could, then you'd do it anyways. You'd do it. Without asking God, you'd do it, right? But you can't do it, so you have to leave it up to God anyway. So why don't you just leave it up to him in the first place? Amen. But, you know, we're always tempted to look at the outcome. So going back to Hebrews 12, let me finish with this. Hebrews chapter 12. Are you still with me? Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12. So every single one of us need to create an environment where faith grows. I mean, you know, it's difficult, like, I won't say that. So for faith to grow, it must be kept in the right environment. And so that's why Jesus, when he healed this blind man, go back to Hebrews chapter 12 again. That's why Jesus, when he healed this blind man, he took him out of this. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that interesting how he took him out of the city? And then he told him, don't go back to that city. You know, God, God is going to tell you, don't go back there. It isn't going to help you. So looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Who for, no, listen, look at this. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. Jesus set something before him. He's, he's, he did what he's asking you to do. He set something before him, the joy that was set before him. He set something before him. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now what was the result? He has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is the triumph of faith, is that you overcome. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so faith... Our prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. And God has dealt to every man, every believer, a measure of faith. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, God, today. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that we say, as Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have, Lord, we receive like precious faith. 
that the apostles received, the same faith that they received, that Jesus authored and dealt to us. We received that faith, that unbelievable, mountain-moving, tree-killing, demon-stomping, prayer-answering faith. We've received it, Lord. We just thank you, God, for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just would you, as you're sitting there, just say, thank you, Jesus, for the faith of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God, but the faith of the Son of God. Of the Son of God. Son of God's faith. See, we talk about having his love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. We talk about having his hope. The God of hope fill you with hope. But we also have his faith. Because your faith couldn't, couldn't move a mountain. Your faith couldn't kill a tree. You have the Son of God's faith. You have his love. You have his hope. Hallelujah. That's why he said, the works I do, you'll do. He that believeth on me, the works I do, shall he do. You couldn't do his works if you didn't have his faith. It's just that you don't, you have to learn to develop it. It needs to be in the right environment. It's very important that you be around people in an environment that encourages and the development of your faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, years ago, I read this commentator. His name was... His last name is Worrells, W-O-R-R-E-L-L, Worrells translation. He had a commentator on the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, remember at the time when he cursed the fig tree? And they were astonished, astonished. Man, the fig tree you cursed 24 hours ago, it's dead. And the first thing that Jesus said was, don't you ever try this. Is that right? What did he say? He said, have faith in God. But the world said, that phrase in the Greek, have faith in God, is easy to translate. He goes, that phrase is not there. He said, the phrase literally is, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. And when you follow that through the New Testament, you'll see that that comes, comes out several times. See, you couldn't do his works without his faith. So he gives you when he, he deals you faith, it comes from him. Amen? It comes through the vehicle of his word, his inspired word. It's not a natural thing. It's supernatural. It just needs to be developed. He says, have the faith of God. For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, mountain move, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart, that those things that he says shall come to pass, you'll have what he says. So you think about that for a second. How do you get saved? You believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's how you get saved. That's how you start the Christian life. You start by believing and saying, and the just shall live by faith, by that principle, believing and saying. That's the principle that we live by. That's why our songs, our songs are confessions of faith.
God, you're a good God. You are good to me. You are all around me. You surround me. You are in me. You live, you live big in me. You live your life through me. We sing these songs and they're confessions of faith. At least most of them are. Amen? And so that has to be what comes out of your mouth. That's why his praise should continually be in my mouth. God is a good God. He's good to me. Right? God is on my side. I cannot be defeated. Amen. Today's a good day. It's going to be better tomorrow. Hallelujah. His favor. I have two angels following me. One is called goodness. And the other is called mercy. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So, I mean, that's what we're doing is we're making confessions of our faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you have a song you could sing? Let's sing a song and then we'll close, okay? In the chaos, you are the peace. In the valley, you're here with me. In the darkness, you never leave. God of mercy, you're walking with me. I surrender anxiety. All the striving has to cease. In this moment, you're still the king. This is a gift you are giving to me. A sound mind for the spirit of fear. A sound mind so that I can see clearly. A sound mind, your spirit is here. A sound mind, a sound mind. Thank you, thank you.
sound thoughts. Amen. Can't have a sound mind to have unsound thoughts. Got to have sound thoughts. Hallelujah. We want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for so that prayer counselors could please come. If you need, need prayer, as soon as I dismiss, make sure you make your way to the front and be prayed for. We have, like I said, a picnic today in Alexandria at Casey's Amusement Park. They have go-karts. They have bumper boats. You can run into each other and get wet. Um, they got all kinds of amusement. And they, for two hours, they give it to us for free. So from 1.30 to 3.30, I think it's about that time, uh, we, we can do whatever we want for free. And then at 3.30, then you would have to start paying. But miniature golf for free longer. But, but it's really actually fun. Then there's some... The church is providing some of the food, and then we're going to eat what you guys brought. So it's a case of amusement. It's kind of on the other side 
uh, I think the north side of Alexandria, but if you check it on your phone, you can find it. But please come and join us. We're going to have a great time and uh, we'll have a lot of fun together. But if you do need prayer, so we're not having any refreshments here, so you can just kind of mill around, make your way there, um, and then we'll eat together. It takes about 35, 40 minutes to get there, and then we'll eat, and then we'll enjoy. They'll give you a wristband, which will get you into each of the rides. And so we've always had a great time. Kids absolutely love it. They have little miniature go-karts for kids and big go-karts for us. So, and, uh, so I'll be racing you guys. <laughs> anyway, so, but if you do need prayer, please come forward and be prayed for if you have a need. But until then, we'll see you over at Casey's. God bless you all. You're free to go.